We're back with section two, chapter three, individual providence. That's hashgacha ishis, personal individual providence. In the last chapter, we spoke about the more communal level. Now, it can be difficult to understand the difference between what we were discussing in last week's chapter and this chapter, because a lot of what we were discussing had to do with a person's reward and punishment Mm -hmm. uh, in the next world and in this world and in the in-between world. It's so it seems like, how is that communal? Right. Right. That we were talking about an individual person. Then this chapter, we're talking about the individual's providence. And so it's, it's a little fuzzy. What's what's communal, what's individual. We were just talking about the individual. We're going to see that what it, I think what it really means is that the last chapter, we had a big overview of what the goal is. The goal is essentially to collect this one group of perfected individuals that we're going to form this, you know, this collective that's um, achieved goodness. Okay. And how does one become part of that collective? Right, right. And it was on a broad, broad level, high level approach to the concept of reward and punishment in this world and the next. What we're going to be talking about in this week's chapter is a more specific application of what a person will go through in their life. All of the different factors that go into determining their station in life and the kinds of things that that will befall them, good or bad. And what we're going to see is that it's a tremendously complex play of factors. No surprise there. Right. But it's he does point it out so that we should understand that they are all factors. We shouldn't think that it doesn't matter where you live or, you know, for mm-hmm. example. These all are factors. What we need to come away with is the question that you had a couple times before. When you see someone that's succeeding in this world, does that mean that they are righteous or wicked or any? And so the answer obviously is no, not at all. We have no idea how these things are applied on a specific individual level. We're just coming away with, you know, what are the factors involved? And we'll see that they're so complex that it's definitely incomprehensible to, to see how that, they, that could actually play out in someone's life. So let's get into it. Number one. So we've already established the baseline idea that man's work in this world, what he's intended to do, is to be placed in a construct in this world that has elements of good and elements of evil. Man is placed in between them in order to choose good, align himself with what is ultimately good, which is God, Hashem. Now, the details, the applications of what is good and what is bad in the world, that's very intricate. Mm. And so too with evil, to determine what's good and what's evil is complicated. So in addition to things in the world being good or bad, the makeup of a human being also is stems from good or evil. For example, their character traits. Person has traits, personality traits that could be positive, good, and that is an application of the generalized goodness that comes from God. Or the opposite, if a person has a negative character trait, 
that comes from ultimate evil. Right? It's just an application of how it shows up in that person. Derech Masha, for example, Hageus echod So arrogance is an application of evil in a person's personality. And conversely, humility comes from goodness. Mercy comes from goodness, ultimately, and the flip side is cruelty. And to be content and to be joyful for what you have, to be appreciative for the, the good fortune that you have in your life is a good trait. It's not just a good trait, but it ultimately stems from the core of goodness from God. And the opposite of that, you know, being greedy or stingy or always looking for the next thing, that comes from evil. And the same is true. These are just some examples, but every character trait stems from either good or evil. Now, Hashem in His wisdom analyzed all of these applications and details. That Hashem right, analyzed these traits and determined which ones were fitting to exist within the makeup of a person that are possible for a person to express according to the ultimate goal mm. of you know what, what their life is for. And he embedded these traits within man in all of their details and their causes and all of the environmental variables and everything that goes along with them. And embedded the possibility of expressing these within man. In order for these traits to actually be expressed, it's not enough that they're potentially there. There needs to be an opportunity for them to come to fruition. So therefore, that requires that man be placed in a variety of scenarios in life. Did all right? Did God give people good traits and bad traits, or is I, I'm trying to figure out exactly what it was saying about the the application of these traits? Is he giving people traits that come from evil? Uh, he, well, what he said here so far is he gave people the ability to express these traits, either the good or the bad, and they're on a continuum, right? So he gave some examples earlier, let's right. say, of uh, arrogance and humility, that that's really one trait, mm -hmm. and there's a positive element to it and a negative element to it, and so a person can have an opportunity to express either the positive element or the negative element. I see. So the possibility of expressing all of these traits was embedded within man. Okay. So man requires a variety of scenarios in order to bring these traits to fruition. That all of them should be, all of these scenarios should be a trial for man to express character traits for the good, ideally. There needs to be a place, a scenario where man can grab onto these positive character traits and express them in, the, in goodness. For example, if there wouldn't be a concept of wealth, that there's wealthy people and poor people, and that there's a disparity between them, if that wouldn't exist within society, then there wouldn't be an ability 
for a person to express mercy or cruelty. If or I, generosity, it would seem. Right. So the generosity would be an outgrowth of that, uh, of that mercy, right? Okay. He'll, yeah. he'll care for the person. So the truth is, um, you brought up something interesting, which is that a person could give charity, let's say, for two different reasons, for two different motivations. One, mm -hmm. it, his, his heart could be torn with mercy for mm -hmm. the person. It's like terrible. Um, whereas someone else would say it's the right thing to be generous. I see there's a distinction there, yeah. Right, it's, just, it's the right thing to do. I have money, he doesn't have money. I, I, should, I should give something to him. But we're not talking about, we're just, for the, for the trait of mercy, at least, for a person to express mercy, that my heart hurts for this other person, and I have the ability to help them, and I'm therefore going to extend myself to benefit this other person, in order for that to ever be expressed, there needs to be a scenario where there is disparity, yeah. where I'm in a position that's above someone else in with regard to some you know, financial means, and that I now have the opportunity to share or to be cruel to that person. Mm. And now I have the, the ability to express my free will. Right? But if everyone would be created on the same level, there wouldn't be a possibility for that to be expressed at all. And therefore, the purpose of life would not be accomplished. So all men are not, in fact, created equal? No, not at all. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it's not true at all. Okay. Okay, but now that there is disparity, so now, now a wealthy person can be tested with his wealth. If he will be cruel to the poor person who needs his help, or if he'll have mercy on him and extend himself. And also the poor person can be tested with his poverty. Will he be grateful for at least the small amount that he has and not compare himself to other standards of living and be grateful for what Hashem has provided for him and, and thank his creator, or will he be bitter? So everyone within their own respective scenario has an opportunity to be tested. There's another test that comes with wealth. He just throws in there for as, an, as an example. Hashem wants to see, will this person become an elitist? Will he view himself as being more important than other people because he has more financial means? Mm. Or another challenge, will he be drawn after physical pleasures the things you can buy now that you couldn't buy before right he has all this access will he be sucked in to it the as of a savitas boy now that's not inherently a bad there's no problem theoretically with wealth the listener should not come away with uh well if a person has a lot of money they shouldn't use it or they shouldn't have a high standard of living a person could because he has a caveat here Will a person be drawn into the world and then ignore his service to God? Mm. So don't use your money to serve your vices. Right. A person could be very wealthy and enjoy his wealth, but not for its own sake of just immersing himself in the physical world, but he's using it as a channel to serve his creator. And that is possible. It's a high level, but it is possible. Or, so that's one option that a person could do with their wealth. Or will this person become humble and submissive to God? 
And he'll be disgusted with immersion in the physical world for its own sake. And he'll choose a life of Torah, of wisdom, and service to other people and to God. And that's just one example. But any other situation in life has these opportunities for these challenges. Now, not all man was created equal, like you said before, mm. and people are created with different states and therefore different challenges. And Hashem divided these challenges among individuals completely differently. With Hashem's understanding and, and infinite wisdom, of what's proper to give to each individual. Every single person was given their own unique set of challenges and their own personal war against their evil inclination that is not shared by any other human being. Now, all of these concepts are shared. The idea of arrogance, right? But the specific battle that you face is different than anyone else's because it's in combination with all of the other elements of your personality and the other challenges that you have. And each person is given their own unique station in the world. And they need to stand up to their challenges, each one according to his own set of trials. And therefore, also, a person is judged in accordance with his station. It's all subjective. So if a, two people could have the same overt, it looks like the same challenge, ostensibly the same challenge. They'll go through the same exact situation, maybe even together. One person might do the right thing. One person might look like he's doing the wrong thing. Now, it could be that they're judged the same. Or maybe the person who looks like they did the wrong thing was judged even more favorably because with respect to his challenges, he there was right. more of a success there. There's no, per, there's no point in comparing ourselves to others because we can't possibly see what Hashem sees, like the, the full picture uh, it, as far as, you know, what the, what the various, where, where the slider is at on all our various attributes. Right. Right, it makes it impossible for us to judge another human being. Now, we, we do judge standards. We know what's right and what's wrong. Actions, we know what yeah. ideologies are correct. And, you know, we have Torah that guides us and tells us what's right, what's wrong. How people live their lives, we have no ability to judge them and say, you know, therefore, since I'm doing this, I'm better than that person. Mm. We really have no idea, even about ourselves. This can be compared to a king with his government, where all of his servants, his cabinet members, are at standing at the ready, waiting to do his word. Now, they're not all going to do the same job because that would be a very inefficient way to run a government. So, all of the work of the government needs to be completed. So, the king, his job is to delegate certain tasks to different people in the most efficient way that this person can do that job, that everyone's going to be doing a different job. Now, I see the entire work of the government needs to be completed. So in that sense, it's really just one thing needs to be done, the government's work. And you look at it on that scale, perfection needs to be accomplished. So the king of reality has assigned us all different roles. Exactly. 
Yes. So that among all of the individuals that are involved in serving the government, the tasks will all be completed, but each individually through their own respective roles. You, as an individual, are only responsible for the task that you were given to carry out, not that person's task. And therefore, that's what you will be judged on. That's you're, beautiful. Really, I just, I just got goosebumps. That's, that's crazy. Right. You're, you're only responsible for the things that are given to you. You're responsible to live your life and make the right decisions in your life. And that's all you will be judged on. Now, the way that these challenges are meted out to various individuals. Who, who gets this challenge? Who gets that challenge? Who gets wealth? This is beyond our capacity for understanding. And it's, he's, it's not just because it's too complicated. It's literally impossible for the human mind to comprehend. Only God could possibly comprehend this. That's above all intellect. This wisdom of God is what analyzes everything and organizes the world in a way that it comes to its ultimate perfection. So if God is the one who knows all of this and he's the only one who sees it, how does each of us figure out exactly what our role is? Oh, that's an excellent question. Your challenges will be presented to you. How to navigate those challenges is taught to us in the Torah. This is what the Torah is. The Torah means, the word Torah means instructions. Mm. These are your instructions for how to be a human being. You know, you're placed in this world. Here's the handbook. Study it. Understand it. The more you understand the Torah, the better equipped you will be to navigate life. How will you accomplish what you are supposed to accomplish? God will take care of that. God will put you in situations like we're describing now, will put you in scenarios that will challenge you and will force you to elicit your goodness. And if you fail, it'll reinforce your deficiencies. So the obstacles make the path clear. uh, Yeah, that's an interesting way to put it. Meaning there's no hidden secret task you're meant to, like, well, maybe I'm supposed to go shake hands with someone in Bangladesh and change their (laughs) life. Like, why would you think that, right? (laughs) You live your life, and God will present you with the challenges. The more Torah you know and understand the more equipped you are to handle those challenges in life. Okay. And God will guide you in the path. If you're looking for your perfection, Hashem will guide you on that path and place you in these, you know, these situations that can lead you to your ultimate perfection. Thank you. Number two. So what he's getting into now, it's going to be a little bit uh, abstract, a little bit com- complicated. Uh, just bear with me. It might not make sense right away, but we're going to tie it all together in just a minute. Okay. So what he's laying out now is the system that we discussed in the last section, in actually, uh, I think it was episode six, where we spoke about how the way reality is structured is that there's a spiritual plane. It's not disconnected 
from the physical plane at all. The spiritual plane is the cause of the physical plane. Anything that shows up down here is a manifestation of what's happening up there. And mm. let's put up there in quotes. There's no direction. It's a projection. Right? right. It's a projection. And therefore, everything is ultimately sourced in the higher realms, in the spiritual realms. So he's just invoking that concept again. So remember we talked about this, that that's how the system works. So the same applies to man's state in this world. All of these challenges that are determined that a man should experience in order to elicit their, their character traits for the good or for the bad, those challenges are designed and determined based on a person's spiritual roots in the higher realm. Maskil shoresh b'chinoisim b'anivdolim so all of this begins up there in the spiritual roots, whether it's going to be beneficial or destructive on the spiritual level, like we wrote about earlier. And from there, it's determined that these spiritual traits should then travel down these channels into the physical world and manifest there in some sort of physical way that a person can express uh, their cruelty or their mercy in some situation that happens here in this world. But that's a manifestation of things that are happening in an abstract level on the spiritual realm. So all elements of reality are now aligned in the spiritual realm and the physical realm. And all of this, Hashem is overseeing and determining through His infinite wisdom what is the most efficient and proper way to accomplish all of this. And all of this should be very clear according to the principles that we've established, is what He says. Now, um, if you're listening, you're probably a little bit confused right now. Like, that doesn't sound very clear. It's a lot of, sounds like a lot of mumbo jumbo. We said the word spiritual a lot. Well, it sounds similar to a lot of things that we've we've already learned. Right. It's it's a little bit vague. So let's take one more line. Number three. This is really the point. Because all of that was just kind of an introduction. We could summarize that last paragraph. It's basically, hey, remember this principle that there's a physical world and a spiritual world and everything starts in the spiritual world and mm-hmm. ends up in the physical world. Let's, t- let's take that concept. Now, number three. Now, according to that principle... That all of the things that happen to a person here in this world, their successes and their troubles that they endure, it's all designed from start to finish, all the way up to the spiritual realm, in order to enable a person to have challenges, moral challenges here in this world that can affect their character. That is fitting for each individual according to their own spiritual roots and the way they're designed. Does that make sense? Yeah. So at this point, it now it sounds like we're saying something very different than we said in the last chapter. Because now we're saying anything that happens to a person here in this world, which is kind of what he just said, everything that happens here in this world is designed to provide some sort of challenge for you. Wait a second. In the last chapter, we spoke about how suffering here in this world and success here in this world is used as a means of paying a person, either for their good deeds or 
for their negative deeds. Yeah, and now it sounds like it's supposed to influence our behavior or at least provide us with a, like a fork in the road. Exactly. Right? It's a completely different concept. And so now we should be a little bit confused. And that's okay. I am. Good. Okay. So let's move forward. Number four. Let's explain more and understand this deeper. Number four. Now, I kind of set it up like I'm going to give you some more clarity. The truth is we're going to make it a little bit more complicated. Okay. I'm used to being confused. So that's okay. fine. So don't be confused because really the answer to what we just set up a second ago is that they could both be factors. Okay. And, and it's really impossible to tell. And in addition to them both being factors, and maybe this one, it could be both. It could be that a person is simultaneously being rewarded for something and also provided some new challenge. And again, you know, this just illustrates how complicated this entire system called life is. Right. But God, in his infinite wisdom, is perfectly capable of arranging it perfectly so that it all aligns. So yes, a person could be paid for their deeds here in this world. A person could experience things in this world in order to give them challenges to further their tasks here, which is the purpose of being alive, right? If a person's still alive, there's still work to do. Yeah. So they could both be simultaneously true. Now, number four, we're going to see another reason why things might happen to a person. There could be a totally different reason. According to justice. Could be that a person will merit based on their actions that their goal in life of accomplishing their own personal perfection should be assisted. Hmm. Our sages teach us this concept, mitzvah gereres mitzvah, that one mitzvah causes another mitzvah. One mitzvah leads to another. And this is one of the ideas that he's expressing here, is that a person can do something positive spiritually, and that not only has an effect on himself, but that could affect his greater judgment that his ability to further perfect himself now becomes easier. Hashem will provide him with extra resources. It's not say, just a, or, a natural snowball effect, but you're referring to like divine intervention. Yes. The, the situation, because again, every situation that a person is in is designed specifically to provide you with some challenge. Mm -hmm. So if a person is making good decisions, it could be, it's not guaranteed, but it could be that that person will merit that their decisions will be easier to make in the future and, and certain barriers will be removed. May we all be so lucky. Amen. The not slumina mechshailam, a person could be saved from things that can make him stumble. Kenyan Shinema, as it says in the book of Samuel, Ragle Hasidov Yishmar, the feet or the legs of his righteous ones he will protect. He'll guide people who, who people who are already making good decisions, he'll guide them in the right direction. Now, also with this concept that we're expressing now, of course, there are many different levels. He's going to give a bunch of examples. You could find one person, It could be that justice will demand that for one individual, according to the actions that they have already done, that he will merit some sort of minor level of uh, I don't know if it's right to say divine intervention. Intervention has a connotation that um, that we don't really mean yet. 
doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be an intervention of nature. But it could be that a person's life situations will be designed in a way that things will become a little bit easier for him. Okay. And for someone else, for someone else, they could merit a higher level of assistance in their own personal life. And for someone else, for someone, maybe all of the barriers will be removed from them and it just becomes very easy for them to achieve their ultimate perfection. Again, this is all based on their actions mm. and the judgment associated with that. And it could be the opposite. Could be someone doesn't merit to any assistance whatsoever. But at the same time, maybe things won't be made more difficult for him. He's just left to his own devices. Someone else's judgment could warrant that there should be some extra barriers put into place. And it could be now that this person now requires a higher level of strength and effort and determination in order to achieve his perfection. And someone else who's completely wicked. That that person, all of the channels are just closed off to him and he's left in his wickedness. Hmm. That's not ideal. And with all of these details and, and applications, of course, it's extremely complicated. He puts in there. We could have intuited that. I think, but he mentions it explicitly. And it could be that a person will... Now, I'll tell you the truth. What he's about to say now, I'm not really certain why he's saying it. Because it seems to be almost exactly the thing that he said a, go, a second ago. It seems to be the same idea. If you're listening out there and you can tell a difference between what he's saying now and what he said before, let me know. But it might sound redundant. There must be a reason he put this in. So I'm going to read it anyway. So he says, therefore, it could be that a person will merit that Hashem will provide him with a lot of success in this world in order to assist him in his divine service. That a person can have an easy life in this world, won't be hard to make a living and, uh, you know, good relationships and all kinds of things, no sickness, good health, all these blessings in order to provide smooth travels for his divine service. And he can just be totally focused on serving God and not be distracted by all kinds of physical barriers that are in place that could distract a person in this world. And it could be that this person will, you know, quote-unquote, merit a lot of loss and hardship here in this world that could stand like a barrier that blocks between him and his perfection. To the point where that person would need to exert a tremendous amount of effort to break through that barrier and achieve his own personal perfection. It could be that for the wicked person, 
he will merit a lot of success here in this world so that the doors are open for him to just destroy himself mm-hmm. and there's nothing stopping him. It could be that a person who is wicked will have barriers put in, in front of him so that he cannot accomplish his wickedness. And he says that could happen because Hashem will decide for whatever reason that that wickedness should not occur in the world. Now, a person still held accountable for their decisions and their own spiritual character. What actually happens in the world when other people get affected, Hashem has control over that. And so therefore, Hashem might intervene and put barriers so that the wickedness doesn't actually come to fruition. Yeah. And this is what King David prayed for. That Hashem should not grant the desires of the wicked and allow them to their plans to come to fruition. So, you know, I said before that I didn't really get the difference between the two. It could be that the first half of this section, this paragraph, he's just describing the concept that success and hardship in this world could be given as means of deterrent or facilitation. Yeah. To accomplish their their spiritual goals. And therefore, the second half is, therefore, it's totally unpredictable for you, maybe, when you see it could be a righteous person will have a lot of success. Oh, so he's giving the example of all the things that I was asking about, where we have a wicked person, we don't know if he's being punished or if he's being prevented from fulfilling his wickedness or what have you. Right. Yeah, so a a righteous person could have success to facilitate that, or a righteous person could be righteous but still have to endure some extra challenges in order to increase their strength. Hashem's going to push them a little bit farther. Right? So we, I think what he's saying here is that the way these things are applied could be applied to anyone. And again, this theme that the system is complicated and the applications are, are unknowable. Now he continues, Hashem does all of these things with his unimaginable wisdom. All of it's done for the ultimate good of creation, of mankind. And he judges all people with respect to their situations, according to their true conditions. Meaning, you can't compare two people, let's say that they're slacking in their spiritual endeavors. Mm. One person is in a, a very comfy situation. There's really nothing stopping him. He has all the time in the world, and he could be engaging in spiritual endeavors, and he's not. And another person theoretically could be engaging in these spiritual endeavors, but there are a lot of worldly distractions and a lot of, let's say he's dealing with a sickness that's, that's distracting him or he needs, you know, he's worried about money. How is he going to pay the bills? So both people are equally failing objectively in doing some action, but their situations are very different. So Hashem takes that into account and obviously they won't be judged the same. Their judgment will not be the same, he says. Everyone's judged 
perfectly according to their own respective situation. If a person does things accidentally or on purpose, if a person feels like they're forced into a situation or if they actively engage in it of their own volition, Hashem knows the truth. You know, people say Hashem knows what's in my heart and they kind of use that as an excuse. Well, that's it's kind terrifying. of terrifying. <laughs> Hashem does know what's in your heart. Hashem knows mm. exactly what you're capable of and more than you do, by the way, right? Because we, we tend to either be too hard on ourselves and attribute uh, more autonomy to ourselves than maybe we, we should. Like maybe we weren't capable of making a certain decision and we'll be overly critical of ourselves. Or on the other side, maybe we tend to make excuses for ourselves, right? And, and justify things and say, well, it was really hard for me. Well, if you had exerted a little bit more effort, if you cared more, you could have accomplished that. And so we're, we could go either way. And because our biases are so strong, we have a very pathetic uh, understanding of even ourselves yeah. in our own challenges. But Hashem knows exactly what's going on with you. He created you. He knows all of it. Well, that's the scary part. That's what I mean when I say, you know, that's that's a terrifying concept. Obviously, there's, there's some level of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Comfort, I guess, in, in knowing that, you know, God knows the truth with a capital T, absolute truth. Uh, but there's also the other side of that coin, which is, you know, where, where are all the places where I could have and should have done better? And I've just been telling myself that, you know, I, I did what I could. You know, at, at some point, you know, God may confront me with the evidence proving to me that, no, I could have done more. And I'll know that he's right. Right. When we leave this world, the veil is lifted. All the illusion is gone, and we see very clearly the decisions that we made. It will become obvious to us. Mm. Um, the scary thing, I think it would be a mistake to say it's terrifying that because Hashem knows, and that, that connotation is that we're really capable of more, and Hashem sees past all our excuses. But again, that's kind of what I feel like. Right. But that might not be true. It could be the opposite. It could be, again, you know, maybe you're being overly critical of yourself. And it could be that Hashem knows the truth that we live in a world of distraction. And certain things might really be beyond our free will. And it's the Sahara that's convincing you that you're a loser <laughs> because you keep failing, right? But really, that that's not where your challenge is. It's in something else. Mm. So I agree that it's scary, that we don't know, but it's only because it, it appears chaotic and it, it's, it's so unknowable. That's the only thing that's scary. But you're right. The comforting thing is that Hashem knows the truth. And more than that, Hashem loves you. Right? The ultimate goal, Hashem created you out of love and wants you to succeed and is doing everything in order to push you in the direction of success. Right. And that, I think, is the most comforting thing. We see all the places where he has stacked the deck in our favor, as difficult as the tasks are. Absolutely. And we'll see in this chapter how that is also true in, in other ways. How there, There's just so many things that Hashem has built into reality that give us the upper hand. Now, this is a long chapter, and so it's it's worthwhile to split this episode. Uh, we'll, we'll end it here. This will be the end of part one. And... Hopefully next week, with God's help, we'll continue with part two and continue on our journey.
Sounds good. Thank you, Rabbi. Till next time.